Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's the day after the Brazilian Grand Prix, one of the most dramatic, uh, exciting F1 weekends probably ever, at least for a very, very long time. And with me, with myself, Nigel Chu, to discuss it all is, of course, the two usual people who have had to do about nearly nearly 100 podcasts with me because they've missed a few weeks and I've missed a few weeks as well. It's uh, Freddie Coates and Adam Dickinson. How are you both doing on this fine Monday afternoon slash morning for you, Adam, because time zones in it? Still fine here. Still very sunny outside. <laughs> had to shut the blind. It's that sunny so people can get the image of how sunny it is. Yeah, I'm doing good. It was a fantastic weekend of Grand Prix racing and I, yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it. But yeah, I'm doing good outside of that as well. I'm 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 in a similar position. I'm still very high from a whole weekend of shouting Vamos very liberally. Yes, absolutely. Is it, um, and the it, racing uh, was good too. Portuguese? <laughs> is Vamos Portuguese as well as Spanish? It was on the big Heineken adverts, so I just said it a lot. And also, I, I said it, I got into the spirit of it due to Carlos Sainz in the sprint race. Ah, the spirit. <laughs> so, hey. the spirit what, of the Vamos. What, um, what time was the race? Vamos! A lot. It was, was it five? Uh, yeah, the actual race was. The sprint was 7.30. So, I had a few yeah. glasses of wine down me by then. Oh. <laughs> well, there we go. Oh, that really helped. Yeah. Oh, I'm not working yeah. this weekend, so I'm fine. Mm. I was. Of all the all the weekends I've wanted to get stuck into writing news, it's been this one. And it's yeah. not stopped. It's not stopped this Monday morning either. Anyway. Yeah. Nigel, take control of the podcast. I can't take control. I'm not a controlling person. You know that. Uh, news just in. Vamos is in Portuguese as well as Spanish. So we can Vamos! To bed. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Adam. Right, let's talk about... The race then, uh, we're on earth to start. Uh, I think we're going to talk about Hamilton's grid penalty, not grid penalty, Penalties. disqualification. Sorry, all uh, of his all of his setbacks. I think. Yeah, <laughs> Why not? Let's setbacks. do it. Let's do a chronological order of yeah. What, what, the disqualification. what annoyed Lewis position. Hamilton today? <laughs> he took pole position. It was a great lap. Was the disqualification right? Yes or no? Let's quickly go around. Yes or no? No. Yes, it failed the tests. Yeah, I was joking. It was. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, why, why, Adam? Do you think he deserved to be DQ'd? Well, like Freddie said, that's the rules. He failed. You know, he failed the test, and it's 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 fairly black and white. You know, unless Verstappen like extended the gap or something. I don't know. Unless he tampered with it in some way, which I don't think he did. Then yeah, you know, it's it's like we said for Seb at Hungary. You know, it's kind of yeah. it's tough, but that's the rules, and it's very clear what teams have to do to get around it and they will not get around it comply with them and they didn't so yeah I mean yeah Mercedes were still very angry though weren't they Freddie and it, it, it took a long time to make the final outcome of it it took nearly about 20 hours didn't it yeah I mean Mercedes are angry more they're sort of distancing themselves from the arguments of them failing the test they're, they're more fighting fire with fire which gets us onto a really sort of complicated discussion that's being had. That Mercedes is trying to drive the narrative that Red Bull are in a similar position to they are, because Red Bull, after qualifying the past three races now, have had to change their rear wing, um, which is a, a normal occurrence to change bits of the um, F1 car from qualifying to the race in part for conditions, because 
you know, gravel chips at things and that kind of stuff. And it's normal to change to the same specification. Um, and Red Bull have made requests for the parts of their rear wing to for this in, in Austin, Mexico, and now in, in Lagos. So um, Mercedes are fighting fire with fire and basically saying, well, Red Bull are getting away with doing all this stuff, which is normal stuff. And Mercedes know it's normal stuff, but they're trying to drive a narrative that's not really there. Um, so they're just, I think they're just, Basically, I, and I completely get this, they've had it with the lobbying this year that's off the scale. And obviously it, the FIA team radio stuff helps it um, appear like there's so much more of it. But um, And we'll get on to during the race later on. But um, it's, it's very, I think they're just, you know, it's like there's been a switch in sort of definitely Toto Wolf's mindset. Sort of go, oh, I'm sod this two fingers up to Red Bull about everything. And that seems to be why they're angry. I think they're angry just at the character of the team they're against. That's interesting. Do you not think, though, if it was the Horner saying what Wolf's saying, there'd be more of a backlash? I do, yes. I do think that. Um, that's just general perception. That's a different debate, but that's a general perception. It hasn't really come into this, I don't think. Yeah, um, I think right, rightly or wrongly, or somewhere in the middle, which is where I think it is, Horner has a reputation and that kind of fits into... That reputation, as Freddie says, Netflix driven, sure, but it's still there. The reputation, and Grant, to be fair, um, I wrote an article a couple of months back about all the times Rebel and Mercedes have protested each other. I can only find one Mercedes to protest Rebel, like find a few decent examples of um, just complaints about stuff from Rebel. The Das Gate is a big one, mm. yeah. Well, either way, uh. Oh, was you going to say something? No. no okay. Great, <laughs> <laughs> right, great hosting. Uh, either way, Houghton was disqualified. Uh, he had to start from the back and then somehow charged up to fifth in a 24-lap sprint or fan race, whatever you call it. Uh, that. I mean, I thought he was only going to get up to ninth. I mean, to get up to fifth is absolutely remarkable. I mean, is, is that what you asked for? How high do you think he was going to get? It was exactly yeah. the same. I thought ninth was um, ambitious. <laughs> I, mm. I thought he was going to get sort of held up around the sort of um, Vettel kind of period. I thought he'd say long as get past Stroll, Sonoda, Vettel, Ocon, all of that. And I thought that was going to be a flipping nightmare for him. But And it was a little bit around Ricardo, a bit of DRS train. But once he, um, once he dealt with that and there was a little bit of a swapper for Ricardo, I think, which did help him. He was able to then to pick off and pick off and pick off. And there's a bit more spread out later on. So we didn't have... You need a DRS to defend from Hamilton, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think... I, I agree with that. I think the damage damage was done in the first three or four laps when he got up to about 14 very quickly. And then it was just kind of picking off, you know, drivers. You know, he's a, he's a better driver in a better car than most of the people he was overtaking, if not all. So, you know, it, it was... It's just really leveraging that advantage and he did that very well but you know I think his opening lap just is phenomenal you know it's just one to watch back and admire because there's just so much going on all over the circuit he makes you know he's not just a lump into turn one he you know it's really fantastic driving across that lap and yeah it's you know it, it really I think that obviously qualifying you know was kind of set I guess the tone for his weekend and then the the disqualification kind of sledgehammered that and this was kind of a really important point for rebuilding that 
like momentum for the weekend that eventually led to him winning the race on Sunday. I think my thoughts with the whole kind of situation is previous times when Hamilton has started from the back. And yeah, he has done it at Brazil. He did in 20, um, 2017 um, after he crashed in qualifying, which was a mistake on his part, which is a rare mistake from Lewis. Um, but he came to back through to, I think, fourth in that race. But it was a distant ball, I'm pretty sure. Um, other times, 2016, when that car was ridiculously dominant. Um, and his, it, it's always his sort of first lap um, approaches that kind of interest me. Like, I remember China 2016, which is a famous one for his engine failing in qualifying. Um, he was a bit aggressive on the start and lost his front wing on the first lap. And then that set him back and he only finished seventh in that race, I'm pretty sure. And then um, at Spa, he started from the back as well because of engine penalties. That, had a, that was one of the few races with a red flag um, and a stoppage and everything. And he came through to third, which was a lucky third. So really for him to get up to fifth in 24 laps, just on driving is in a, in a much closer field than we than for the Mercedes definitely than we've seen in probably about seven years I'd say I say it's the closest field across the midfield to the Mercedes as well um wow really I'm still shocked by the whole thing <laughs> I've got to ask how much is it him him and how much is it the car because that's what people will be debating about I guess Nigel, I think you've got an answer to this because whenever we've discussed taking engine penalties, you've always referred to Valtteri Bottas and Sochi. Um, yes. so, so go. So I think well, really that's for you to answer. I think it's eighty-five percent him. I really do. Yeah. I, I think only him, and maybe Verstappen, because Verstappen has Sochi uh, once and Kelto is fully the grid. Uh, I think only them for two, three, or four drivers perhaps on the grid can do what Halter did. But what, how, what impressed me was, you know, people say, oh, it's easy to overtake, he had a fast engine, but it's the way he followed the cars in the middle sector to not get in the dirty air, to drive different lines, to, to not overheat his tyres as well, especially on Sunday when the temperatures went up. These tiny things which I don't think people think about, because it's so easy to uh, push hard, make overtakes, when they need tyres fall off the cliff, but he just kept having the pace, he was just relentless. The way he does it to manage his tyres in the dirty air with traffic, make clean overtake, it's just world class. I don't think, I think that's where every other driver, including Verstappen, lacks that edge against Alton. I don't think anyone on the grid is better than Alton in that part. So I think that's what was most impressive for me to get up to fifth. Was, it was just unthinkable. I mean, I think Martin Brundle said during the commentary when David Croft said, Oh, we. If you might get six, I think Brundle said that'd be ambitious. Yes. Or like that. So it was just incredible. It really was. And yes, he had the straight line speed, but ultimately, for me, you've got to be close enough coming off that final corner to make the overtake, especially if you are in the DRS train. So it was just that. It was just all about the middle set to the way he manages tyres. So that is my answer. You drove, drove that middle sector like, um, like, like a cart race in the way he was using those corners sort of unnaturally for the fastest way around that track. And it was very common for him to sort of really not go aggressive into the corner to get a really good exit, which enabled him to then get a really good exit for every corner and stay close. And that carried on. That Eventually, um, he sort of learned how to follow Verstappen for so long for the race in the sprint by knowing how to stay close and how to keep the tyres in a decent window whilst also not stressing them and also 
um, correcting the dirty air and taking different lines throughout the entire middle sector. It was, it, I think, to be honest, that's some, some genius racecraft that goes yeah. un, unnoticed, um, which mm. thankfully was kind of noticed because he got such a high position. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it, no, completely. And I completely agree with all of that. And, you know, I think the, the final lunge at, at the inside of Norris just kind of sealed. I know Norris kind of said afterwards that he wasn't defending or whatever, but, you know, it, so know, far back, though. So far yeah, back. I don't, yeah, you know, I kind of don't know how much I buy that. And also, you know, just the fact that it was so unexpected. I was watching it thinking he's not going to do it. Like, you know, there's <laughs> no way he's going to do it. And he did. And he came out in fifth. And, you know, that just kind of sealed what was a fantastic Saturday for him. And, yeah, it was it, it was really just enjoyable to watch. It was kind of good driving that's enjoyable to watch, which isn't always, you know, when you see him kind of, smash a quality lap like that's cool but it's not maybe the same level especially for kind of more casual fans it's not the same level of enjoyment whereas this is just something everyone can appreciate because it is you know to get that high up the grid and overtake the drivers he did you know Alonso, Leclerc, Perez no not Perez sorry uh, Gasly, Norris you know and there, there are like five more I could tack onto that as well it's just phenomenal. The, the overtakes some of the overtakes were easy but that's because he did the hard work before yes. it and no matter what car you're in even if you're in a faster car to follow another car in F1 these days closely <laughs> and twist corners is seriously difficult well that's what he managed to do and that's why he finished so high up uh, of course he did have his five good players penalty which meant he started 10th what were your thoughts before the race in terms of how high he could finish I thought podium I didn't well equally I did I was thinking he could win this if Things yeah. go right, but when Verstappen took the lead, I didn't. I didn't think he would win, but uh, somehow did. So yeah, what, what are your thoughts pre-race? I was the same as that. I, I I thought he could win. I thought there was a chance, particularly with Bottas and Pole. I thought there was a chance. Yeah. Um, and from his his, I, I you know obviously we were aware that it's a completely different approach to that race and so on. But his pace in qualifying and his pace in the sprint was so that far above that I thought, okay, maybe there is a chance that he can be a bit of a hunter here. And then, like you say, Verstappen took the lead. Perez got second. That was the crucial yeah. bit for me. Um, because I don't think if the Mercedes is the faster car, Bottas, even Bottas might be able to do something here. Um, <laughs> and, sorry, that's mean. Um, but anyway, he did hit the sprint quality, to be fair. Exactly, exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. He has had very good moments this weekend to Valtteri. Um, but, yeah, when Perez got there, I thought, okay, well, this is going to be a back off everyone and then have Max launch into the distance. And it nearly did happen. But but Hamilton did another ridiculously aggressive start. What did he do? He was in the inside of um, the slow starting yeah. uh, Alpine ahead of him. Um, and nearly got then, pinched, but he just avoided it. Yeah. And then he went around the outside of Gasly at Ferradura, which was ballsy as hell. Mm. That was definitely hold your breath stuff there. Uh, yeah, Adam, what was you thinking before the race for, for Hamilton? I think, I guess, similar to what you said, I thought I thought it was possible, but I guess the pace advantage of the Mercedes is what made me think that. I think I knew I need he needed to get up in the first five laps of the race. He really needed to get up near the front because, you know, if... If he, you know, if he overtakes, you know, a car a lap or something like that to get up to there, then it's just not good enough, really. You know, he needed to get up there straight, straight away. And 
But after Saturday, I kind of thought he could do that. So I think like you, I thought he kind of rested on Verstappen and whether he was able to get past Bottas. And when he did, then I kind of thought, you know, it's probably second is is on the cards for him. I mean, he got up to, you know, he got up to the back of Bottas so quickly. Yeah. And then, then obviously got past Bottas and then there was the safety car, which kind of played into his hands. But, mm. you know, to get to get that high up the grid and, you know, he kind of, again, throughout the throughout the first lap, he made several overtakes and you just seemed to see him battling every corner, but he was never kind of on the defensive. He was always kind of probing, even if the move didn't come off, he was setting up a move further on or just letting the car know that he was there and that he was getting past. And, you know, it... it I didn't even notice when he got past the two Ferraris because it was just like suddenly, oh, and there he's yeah. suddenly, you know, on, on the back of the, the front runners. So, yeah, I think, yeah, before the race, I was kind of waiting to see how it would play out over the first kind of five or ten laps. But mm. I thought it was possible, but, you know, it would have, I thought it would have been a big ask. And obviously the, the pace of the Rebel over the, over the whole race would play into that as well. So I thought there was a, a fair few factors that kind of needed yeah. to be settled, but yeah. I, I was surprised he didn't start on hards actually, but it didn't matter in the end. Uh, in fact, no one started on hards, but yeah. Uh, oh. Two more things from me on this is just that um, the one position he was starting in is probably the most, if, if you're going to statistically talk about it, the most Jeopardy-esque mm. position for first lap instance, which is bang in the middle of the middle of the pack. And it's just like, well, if, any, if anyone's going to accidentally get tagged it's Hamilton um and also I think I read this on the race uh that he I, I that he was never um more than five and a bit 5.7 I think it is seconds behind Verstappen at any point in that race oh wow which I think is a which is I think is um pretty decent <laughs> that can't be right no way I don't know wow yeah. I don't have to like that is, if that's right that is Outrageous. <laughs> I will go and double check that while you two carry on. But yeah. That is outrageous. Fair, no, that does like now I'm thinking about it. Um that does kind of sound right. Like he was it able sounds to... crazy when, when you first yeah. say it, but actually thinking about the way his and Verstappen race panned out, the way he was able to get up so quickly to, to the back of the kind of Mercedes Rebel train. That's phenomenal well, though. When he was behind the Ferraris in like six. Like, surely there's a, like, there were one second gaps between the cars. So, but you know, if that is right, it's pretty outrageous. Uh, yeah, I can't find the source for it, I would say, actually. So, take it with a pinch of salt. But you're right, um, mate. No, uh, don't just believe it. If it's the narrative, <laughs> believe it. It's right. It's actually no. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, um, so, on Ed Straw, the race in his ratings, he says about Verstappen that he was never more than 5.7 seconds clear of Hamilton. So, yeah, so invert that. And Hamilton is never more than 5.7 seconds behind Verstappen. Nigel, did he say that in your ratings? Uh, you can check that out on racingnews365.com. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that fact. No, I probably said something else. That was what I said, even though I wrote it a couple hours ago. Uh, moving on. Uh, so, yeah, he got past Bottas. And then he got past Perez after, was it, three or four laps, I think. And then if you compare that with Bottas, Bottas couldn't even get close to about a proper tackle a proper overtake was Hamilton quickly uh, got by uh, why are you making that face Adam I was just checking your ratings and right. you know I was, I was surprised in a good way <laughs> yeah. first ever Not 10 out of 10 from Nigel Chu yeah, that, yeah. That, that's the performance I've been waiting oh, for for Sonoda no <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well he got a 10 second penalty <laughs> he did 
sorry, so Nigel. that's all right. So everyone went onto a two-stock strategy. I think some people thought they might do one stock because of the safety cars. And then the final 30 laps or so, so it was Verstappen who picked the first and Hamilton responded. I think both teams got the strategy pretty much spot on. I think Red Bull did the right thing to, co- to cover, off the, uh, cover off the undercut. Mercedes probably did the right thing to not lose too much time in Hamilton. Both used the hard tyres. Any points on that, on the strategy, before we talk about the incident? No, well, I think, I think the was... undercut from Red Bull was just that little... It was the right idea. And they were, but they were so scared of being undercut that they kind of sort of negated their own undercuts because there was still so much life in Hamilton's tyres. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they could have gone a lap or two later, but I mean, I can understand that why they only did a 13 lap stint on a set of hard tyres. Um, Bottas only did 10. That's surprising. Well, I was surprised they picked Bottas so early, you know. Um, was that yeah, the I was VSC? Did so early. No, that was a normal pit stop. He only did about 10 laps. The, the first know, pit stop was on the VSC because that's yeah. how he jumped Perez. Yeah. The second one was just a normal pit stop. And I thought they were gonna, he was going to go long to try and block the staff or something. Or whatever. I did. I did too. Yes. Um, no, yeah, actually, I, yeah. Yeah. Which was, um. so there's lots of, I think they were both just kind of like, there was another with Perez. They pitted him way too early, I thought, because he had yeah. no opportunity then to, um, ever be ahead on track of Lewis. I think they said this on the commentary as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was. Uh, I don't know. With me, for me, my opinion with that for Red Bull was that it was just that bit too early, and that it could well. I don't know, but I think they did the right thing. Kept in the lead, yeah, yeah. Because if Hamilton was closing, I think it was like one point one seconds behind. So Hamilton pits. And how to he, he didn't pit for three laps over. or so afterwards, and he was only what a few seconds off anyway when he came out. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so, I think it's to me. It seems like one of those. I think we said the same for Kota, where the guy in second place has the advantage. Basically, it's the yeah, you're the, right. The person in first is is or the team in first is having to preempt what the people behind are doing, and the ones behind can just react to that. And you know, I think both of them, both of them got it pretty pretty well you know mm. where where it wanted to be i think you know yeah it, it, the, thought... the overtake was a lot harder for hamilton than if he'd been able to undercut verstappen which i think validates red bull's strategy and you know on the on the flip side i think mercedes did well to not immediately match up with that they you know they levered the advantage by running running him for a few more laps each time. i thought it'd go out even longer actually just to get more of an offset but uh... i think you don't want to I think that might be too many kind of working parts, I guess. You know, he was close before. I think you want him to come out close after. And, you know, I guess that was what was in their mind. But, yeah, I, I think both strategies were pretty close. And to be honest, I don't think it had too much of a outcome on the result. I think, you know. Yeah, personally. I think so too. Yeah. Um, let's talk yeah. about the incident then. Uh, so they were following, well, Hamilton was following Verstappen for within two seconds, within 1.5 seconds. Eventually got to his DRS, eventually got to that key seven, eight, tenth mark, went off the final corner. Pretty quickly. Uh, he said that he dummied Verstappen into turn one to force him to block, uh, to force it Verstappen to cover the insides and then to compromise his exit. Which it did. He had to run out of turn four. Uh, they went side by side once before the incident, didn't they? 
Did you? I remember. I'm pretty sure they um they the nearly time? did. They nearly did, yeah. Okay, even sure way, on some after a good 10-15 laps of uh following, they well, they both went off the track, quite frankly. Hamilton nearly got the move done. Verstappen decided to well, just send it completely. And I think we're all actually going to agree that it should have been a penalty. Well, so, <laughs> at the time, I was like, how is that not a penalty? I was watching with Harry, who's another Sheffield journalist who doesn't watch F1, and he <laughs> could see it was a penalty. But... I went That's back just before this podcast. I went back and watched the start of Cota, and that has something very similar where Hamilton has the inside line going into the corner and goes right out to the edge and pushes Verstappen off. Which I see, I, I think that I think they're similar incidents, and I think both of them should be a penalty, but I see why. With the stewards not giving a penalty for that, they didn't give one for this. How did it go off the tracking tour? Uh, Verstappen did. Verstappen yeah, but... went off to the right-hand side of the first Sorry, Verstappen. Sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Verstappen did go off the tracking tour. Yeah, so that's kind of where, I don't know, that's maybe why they didn't. I think it should, I think, yeah, I think the, the Brazil incident should have been a penalty and the news coming out afterwards was that they didn't even have Verstappen's front on board when they decided not to investigate it, which seems a very strange decision. But I'm just glad that it didn't kind of... You know, I don't, this championship has been so fantastic, I don't want it to come down to a bad call by the stewards either way. So, you know, the fact that it didn't um, impact the race result, I thought was good for the sport. It's 100% a penalty, 100%. It is, you cannot do that on a racetrack. It is, it is a stupid move. In fact, it's, it, I wouldn't say it harms his reputation, but it, it's not good luck for Verstappen to do, to do that for me. He, at some point, you've got to say, right, the place is gone. And he, there was no chance he was making that corner whatsoever. He was, he was about four cars wide off. It, was, it wasn't close. Yes. I mean, he he knew Hamilton would have to either turn in and then collide, which is better for Verstappen, or Hamilton would do, have to do what he did, which is turn out. And I'm sorry, that's unacceptable, what he did for me. I, I, I don't see how it's not a penalty for anyone who says that is. Uh, I think... Yeah. That, that coupled with his weaving on the straight when Hamilton did get past, I think just kind of shows he, he is 200% committed to this. Like he, he is so committed with kind of every fibre of his being that he's willing to go kind of right up to the line and cross the line. And, you know, I think that's what this is both literally and metaphorically for it. But Freddie, maybe you have a different... Take. Well, I think what tips it is that, you know, yeah, we're talking about Cota. Um, well, in this situation, um, Verstappen drove off the track to force another car off the track. So it's the letter of the law, which we've got to be like this with all this crap. Um, Verstappen left the track to gain a lasting advantage over another competitor. It's not corner cutting, no, but it's track extension. So to that, that basically to that wording, it's a penalty. 
And that's what I think it is. I think it is a penalty. And I think there is a definite point where you can see um, on the overhead shot, there's a bit of a straighten up from Verstappen where he goes, okay, yeah, we're going off then. Ba-bam. And then you can definitely... You can even, the fact that really, in my opinion, you can tell from the offboard shots from a helicopter, um, the stop and steering input says a lot for me about the intent. Every time there's an incident, wheel to wheel incident, and no penalties given, I always think that means the stewards are saying that is fine. Do no penalties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if they're saying that's fine, I mean, it'll just be absolutely. If you can run someone off the track like that, yeah. force them to have to turn out to avoid a collision, that is absolutely not right. Oh, so. I, yeah, I think that's you know that's the point. I think they made it in commentary as well that you know he's he, they're saying Max can do that every lap. You know, in that particular situation, obviously it tra- extrapolates beyond that race as well. But you know, just within that microcosm, then you know they're saying Max can do that every lap and it's okay. It's not a problem. And yeah, I think, you know, and it was, it was lucky for the race that there was a tarmac there and it's a tarmac runoff because if that had been gravel, then both of them would have been out of the race most likely. But when it was gravel with Lando Norris and Sergio Perez in Austria, Lando Norris was given a five second penalty and then Checo later on was given two five second penalties. And that was half the incident that this was. Mm. Mm. Yeah, completely. I I've think. got a question for you, Freddie. You yeah, because I defended Lando. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say Silverstone between Alton and Verstappen. You didn't think that was a penalty. Or isn't that the same thing as what kind of happened? Happened on the track. Yeah, but Alton wasn't making a corner. But that doesn't matter. Well, it does. If you're not making a corner... Well, no, if, no, I'm if, not going if, through this if, again. If he didn't, if he didn't <laughs> make the corner... Again. If he didn't make the corner and it happened... I'd say they're comparable, but it wasn't that's not what happened. I still think Verstappen Hamilton had potential to make the corner in Silverstone, I'm afraid. Um, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Yeah, I don't buy that he was going to go straight on because he had significantly turned into the corner by the time they touched anyway into Cops. In this one, um, it's much earlier in the turning of the corner. You look at the angle of Verstappen when they're at this is um, the, this incident is most comparable to is 2016 Austria. Um, where Rosberg just didn't turn in at the, on the final lap. And then Hamilton was like, well, I've got to turn in um, because that's what you do in corners. And then they had a clumsy collision and, and Rosberg lost his front wing and then finished fourth and Hamilton finished first. Um, that's the only incident I feel that you can compare it to. And that was um, obviously entirely different and at slow speed. Um, actually, no, you can compare it to whatever you want, but I feel like I can compare it to him easily is what I mean. Yeah, um, so yeah and I, I kind of think yeah mm. it's Wait, it's look, it's look. it's very penalizable <laughs> we all want to see good hard racing well for me good hard racing is uh Perez and Hamilton earlier in the race when they had a good dice for two laps I think Hamilton got by when then yes. Perez going back and then Hamilton yes. gets back the next lap that's good hard racing this you know there's a line and it's being crossed by an absolute mile. Yeah, talking about like good, good hard racing. For me, hard racing is within the limit. I mean, like let them race isn't anything to do with um, <laughs> pushing them off the limit. Nice and that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice try. I mean, they've got to put let them race on their cans now. But anyway, um, it, it worked though. Well, I don't know if it that did specifically work, worked, but you know, it, it, 
their lobbying might have helped, which yeah. Annoying. It was embarrassing, I thought, frankly. I think because we can hear it. We, it's it's frankly, and, and it's both sides. Ron Meadows at Mercedes, Jonathan Wheatley at Red Bull, even you know, every other team in the in the in the grid that we don't really hear it. It just gets a bit embarrassing when they're just blatantly just lobbying. But anyway, that's just because we're hearing it. And it also is sassy, which is fun to watch. Um <laughs> but hard racing, Max Verstappen versus Charles Leclerc, Silverstone 2019. You, you couldn't put a cigarette paper between them from the entire thing until, I don't know, there was a BSC that separated them a bit. But then they still found out how to race each other ridiculously <laughs> on the outside of, of random corners. I've never seen cars move more aggressively into Stowe. And that's let them race. That is let them race. Because they're not, they're not breaking the rules. Maybe one of them gets pushed wide a bit and keeps his foot in it, comes back on. But fractionally, just to stay side by side through Vale and Club. Um, which is a bit, you know, if you're going to be letter of really like, that's that's when you say let them race principle to overrule a car going a bit off the track. Let them race isn't um, a car that's definitely lost the corner, choosing to brake probably 40 meters later than it normally would, and then nearly not making the corner, and then not making the corner. So, yeah, hard to agree with that. Yeah, and the whole thing about no onboard footage, that's. That's fine, because clearly there was an issue with the camera. We didn't see any on board with Max that whole race, I'm pretty sure. And it hasn't been shared on Twitter by someone on F1 TV, so presumably there was an issue with that on-board camera. Anthony Davidson from Sky did imply that it would be saved locally into the camera. Um, so I'm of the assumption that there will be footage there to find. I'm assuming it's not been released to save the graces of the FIA, um, yes. if anything. Um, but presumably that can be presented as new evidence to launch an appeal to drop us up from second to third, but who knows? There wasn't an investigation in the first place, so maybe there isn't possibility for an appeal, but that's too technical. That's my point with no investigation is, I think we should be picking that up on a bigger deal than no penalty. It was noted. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I've had a little no. bit of a moment. No, no, I think that's, I think that's you know, correct. I don't, I don't understand how you can't, investigate it really but you know it, it, it's annoying but you know as I say I'm just glad that it's not something that's gonna decide the championship being a bad stewards decision or you know lack of decision mm. yeah that's kind of I feel, I feel like that's fortunate for the sport really because if that you know that's farcical if that's not given a penalty and Verstappen wins and that's you know major point in the championship that would be you know a shadow on the sport. There really are shadows on this championship. I don't really think we can worry about that. <laughs> There's a lot of shadows. A massive shadow. <laughs> I think we'll yeah. three, three or four races from four races from the end. You know, at such a major turning point, at such a major race. I think that'll be one of the ones people will remember more than some of the others. Personally. Last point on this incident: If you're Mercedes, ignore the ignore that it wasn't investigated. Would you appeal it? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, yes. you can. Yes. Yeah. The fact I mean, that they're trying to appeal like the Red Bull still, so you got nothing to lose, really. Mm. The fact that they're trying to appeal something we addressed at the head of this, well, I addressed at least about the wings. The fact they're trying to appeal something that's non a non-event, then they surely should appeal an event. Mm. I uh, Halter did manage to find his way past. Uh, he, but he literally had to be like a good half a car ahead, then to move across to make sure. 
Uh, he gave two fingers up with his defence. <laughs> yeah. He knew, yeah, he knew exactly. He really learned how to race Verstappen in that particular part of the track, as did Verstappen. To be fair, um, he didn't get drawn into defending into turn one again. So, mm. but last of it, I think Verstappen did well to keep him back for as long as he did. But he, I agree. As we talked about before, Hamilton to not overheat his tyres and stuff to stay with, within one and a half seconds. That's just as, if not more, impressive. So. He took his win, 101st win of his career. Uh, I'm, I'm saying, I think it's the best, the best weekend, not necessarily the best win, but best weekend performance I've ever seen in my 15 years of watching F1. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, the, only thing that gets close is, is, the only thing that gets close is Vettel win Monza 2008. That's the only thing. Yeah. yeah. Do, which, which day do you think was the best? Most impressive. Oh gosh! Thursday. <laughs> well, he was put down in the press conferences. I'll tell you, he was popping down. <laughs> it's, in, it's ineligible. It's ineligible day because it's not on the weekend. Oh, it's so difficult because even for even the qualifying, the I thought that was an excellent lap. I know what's happened in yeah. that, but it's terrible. I think that was a brilliant lap. I, I think it has to be the Sunday, just because that's what, just because that's what it's won, just because it was against Verstappen. And I thought before the race, even if he does get up to Verstappen, he'll find it difficult to pass him or difficult to pass him without contact. I mean, it has to be the Sunday for me. Yeah, for me, I, I mean, I can't remember. I don't know if it is the biggest pole margin of the year um, on one of the shortest tracks. If, it, if you're factoring it into length and doing all of that business... <laughs> I'm sure it probably is the biggest qualifying lap advantage of the year, um, which says a lot, I think. Verstappen at the wet and spa, maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah, that's a point, that one. And also, I mean, in dry then, let's say dry. Because um, yeah. he has the, the caveat of dry. Um, but, yeah, Saturday was phenomenal. And Saturday obviously set up Sunday, yeah. I think. I think the fact, I think, I think you've got a couple all together, three days. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's why I gave it a ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, to me, to me, the I guess the Sunday's the most unbelievable in that I kind of thought. I know, you know Friday. Mean. Obviously, he could take pole Saturday. You know, I, I didn't think he'd get that high up the grid, but it, you know, it kind of feels getting up to fifth and overtaking Norris isn't the same as getting tenth to first and overtaking Verstappen. I think the latter is harder, and that's kind of why I placed that. Um, was a bit more impressive. I think the fact that he won driver of the day, because he never wins driver of the day, because enough people don't like him. But the fact that he did kind of just shows the, um, you know, the the level of performance. So I think all all of the days were fantastic, but the Sunday was, I think, for me, just a shade higher. I think I'd say that was the best day. But like you say, a ten out of ten weekend overall. There's a very fun statistic um, that sprint races have thrown up that has really obviously got my back up which is that Valtteri Bottas now officially has more pole positions this year than Lewis Hamilton does oh wow <laughs> um Valtteri's got four Lewis has got three and that's obviously excluding Lewis's mega lap in Silverstone which was mega and this mega lap here both two of the best laps of the season qualifying wise in my opinion not counted as pole positions which yeah. irritates me but we've all had that debate but just it's a fun quirk that Bottas now has won more than Lewis. 
<laughs> he's also um, on 101 pole positions and wins now. He's level. And this is episode 101 of the Ring and F1 podcast. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, that is um, mad. Is crazy. So, I, I, put a, I put a tweet out after the race and said um, something about winning 101 as the subject, because that's what they call classes in America, isn't it? Adam, you're over there. And they put 101 at the end of everything. I, I haven't done any. I've done advancing okay. camera production. They do on... They, 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 <laughs> Cameras 101. They do on telly, like ladders 101 and stuff like that. Um, so this was winning 101 by Sir L. Hamilton. Oh, I thought said winging. Yeah. And then yeah, that's <laughs> fair enough. It's a fair enough thing to think. Winning, how to win 101 by Sir Lewis Hamilton. Uh, uh, last, last thoughts on Hamilton before we talk about other drivers. <laughs> yeah, you're giving him a lot of airtime. Uh, we are, but you know what? <laughs> this is generally, it's one of these things where I think, I don't think I'm going to see this again for a good few years. I really don't. It was a few decades, mate. Special. Yeah. It, it was a generally special, special moment. So mature, had everything. The way he attacked, it is just pretty much the perfect drive. It, it was just phenomenal. It really, really was. So I think you get that. You get those drives that are like steamrollers, where the the, comp- the competitive. Uh, Nature seems to be already decided. You seem to think, well, there's no way this guy, this guy's unbeatable this weekend. I think you've only really had it with Lewis. I've had a couple of times, maybe with Max, one or two of his Mexico drives. You just kind of felt like, well, there's no opportunity for anyone else to win this just because of the sheer head down nature of the attack from someone. But setbacks for drivers, maybe, I mean, <laughs> back in the day, we'd say, I say back in the day, 2018, you'd say Verstappen get, getting, getting um, beaten to pole in Mexico by Ricardo was yeah. a setback. But you still have the, the kind of feeling that, well, he's unbeatable today. It's the fact that you can have that kind of impression from Hamilton when he's had, you know, that big it up to the 25 place grid penalty. I mean, essentially, it is. Um, well, he's had, you know, disqualification on top of that, a grid penalty on top of that. Um, and has had to fight a, for a win against one of the most fearsome competitors in Formula One history and has done it is mega. And I think I find it really cute that the Brazilian crowd like him because it's Me not too. a yes. link there's you know there's no there's no link in terms of you from there or mercedes are from there or have a driver from there like it's entirely his love for center and their love for center kind of mutually um supporting each other and you can see he fed that off fed off that all weekend in, like in his instagram posts and his twitter posts and whatever you could kind of see that coming through again he put um one out in portuguese or like with the portuguese translation at the at the bottom for the post-race one i think I really like that, and it was a fantastic return to Brazil, um, which I don't know whether I'm talking about this too soon, but I'm talking about it now, so we're on it. That It was a really fantastic return to Brazil after a year out and kind of just showed everything that's fantastic about the the track and the as Sao Paulo is a Grand Prix venue, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So 14 points between Halton and Verstappen. Uh, three races ago. Uh, let's talk about some other drivers quickly then. Already talked about the staff, so we can just skip him. Uh, Bottas and Perez. I think they had pretty similar weekends, Bottas and Perez. They were both kind of what you'd expect, I'd say. So Perez, obviously, they didn't have the best Saturday. or stuck behind the sides, but then he made up for it in the race. And then Bottas, the opposite, had a great Saturday, but then dropped back onto them. And then the virtual safety car saved him. So they were pretty level in terms of the, what, what you'd get. Oh. 
I'd say Bottas. I think the fact that he jumped Verstappen at the start and held him off to get, you know, to get a point over him in the sprint race. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah. I don't think you'd yeah, expect that. I think having seen having seen the starting grid from the sprint race, uh, sorry, for the sprint race, then you guess you know Verstappen will beat in both races. So I think to to do that, obviously, he got got fortunate with the VSC that he was able to um, get ahead of Perez like by a decent margin, and there wasn't really a battle after that between them. But I think it was. Yes, he could have. Well, I don't know if he could have done more kind of physically. You could expect more from him on the Sunday, but to be in that position in the first place, I think gives us some credit. Mm, I think yeah. this is the this is the time of year where we don't shouldn't be expecting more from Perez and Bottas on the Sunday because this is the time when Verstappen and Hamilton should be at their most complete and uh, competitive and driven because they're at the the crucial stages of winning a championship right now, and this is when you're going to get the the serious star driving from Verstappen and Hamilton. And that's what they're good at. And we know countless times, we've said countless times before, that this is where Hamilton thrives a lot of the time. Um, so this is the kind of time where there really should be a gap between Bottas and Perez, um, respectively, to their teammates. And I think, really, they both had good weekends. <laughs> um, yeah. Perez a very good pace in comparison to Verstappen. Um, they were matching and- the leaders, weren't they, Bottas and they- Perez? Quite they a good race. Yeah. They were, and they were all they were very much all involved in every pit stop of the race. So, um, I mean, Perez was put out of it a bit by Red Bull because they were trying to bite off Bottas because um, they expected Bottas to go long, but then that meant they had to pit Bottas, and that just meant that they were in their position. But I think Bottas's pace at the end of the race, where he was closing on and ailing Verstappen, let's uh, let's be honest, but um, yeah, he was what three and a bit seconds off Max at the end. Very good. How, that, actually, how did that happen? Because Max was so like, wake up, just drove it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like when when um, when Hamilton and Verstappen were fighting, Bottas was about six seconds, seven seconds back. Because when you know they were talking about penalties, and at that stage, a five-second penalty wouldn't you know, it put Verstappen back behind Hamilton, but it wouldn't have the have the impact on Bottas. And then I, I, I didn't really look at the the gap after that. And then it was kind of when we looked, when we did this podcast, like, oh, hey, you know, he's only three three and a half seconds behind. So. Well, I think Verstappen, I think Verstappen was worried about hitting a bit of a cliff, to be honest. Um, he has said in that his tyres were one of the reasons why he was struggling to stop in that in the aforementioned Hamilton Verstappen runoff <laughs> incident, um, which is rich, but anyway. Um so, so I think yeah. That's <laughs> um, all of them. Whoops, a 50k fine for touching yeah. your rear wing. Ha ha ha. He went and joked about it on a stream. It was, it was quite funny, actually. It was but, um, funny. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so yeah, he, um, I think he was struggling with his tyres a little bit at the end. And Bottas had been in a bit more of a conservative run anyway because he was on his own on track. Yeah, and then Perez ultimately took the fastest lap at the end, doing his job. Because I think that's surprising. What turn of events yeah I mean ultimately you still have to execute it don't you because you, you make yeah. a mistake but you know it is it, it's what you'd expect I think because you're on fresh soft tyres low fuel so yeah yeah the race where Mercedes point. screwed up and Bottas got the fastest lap at the end Zanvoort Zanvoort yeah yeah then Halton got it didn't he got it back yeah but he... yeah it's just like an extra set of pit stops that didn't need to happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, I was stating them for their strategy that day. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the midfield. Ferrari, bit similar to Mexico, lonely race, but got the result they needed. And now, Ferrari have, have been a 21, 
45 points ahead of McLaren, something like that now. So yeah, they've got 30, one, 30 half, one, I guess, on that battle. Yeah, they're 31 points ahead and a half. It's they've, oh. they've got it. As far as I'm concerned, that's it. You know, I don't mm. see unless Ferrari have a retirement and McLaren get a one-two. You know, that's the kind of level of because even even if Ferrari have a non-scoring weekend, then they're still you know McLaren need to they're still 15 points or so ahead, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. You know, McLaren aren't going to get you know probably 25 is the is the absolute most they're getting out of a weekend. And you know, having said that, Ferrari have scored. I mean, they've only dropped. They've only had non-points finishes twice since uh, France or since the Austrian weekend. So, you know, they're, they've just been consistent and put it all together. And, you know, I think it was, like you say, it was kind of a very quiet weekend from Ferrari because they were kind of back off what was happening up front bar when Hamilton overtook them in about half a second and, you know, never under pressure from behind. So, yeah, yeah. but they, they've got it now, yeah. I think, anyway. I thought Sainz had a great mm. weekend, especially on the Saturday. But then I think Leclerc, it was just on that trap position from the start and Leclerc managed to jump him on the first lap. But they were pretty evenly matched and they were both pretty much on, on top of their game, really. Uh, Sainz yeah. had one of his best weekends at Ferrari, um, mm. which obviously helped McFerrari in the situation. Um, I, I, I'm not quite on the same, same side as Adam of it being done deal. Because I do think that the next three tracks are going to really be generous to McLaren anyway, particularly Qatar. Um, They're very good in the high speed. That's been basically all of McLaren's pace this year has been high speed. And that is Qatar, that is Saudi, and that is new Abu Dhabi. So I think there is an opportunity for this to be kind of close to the countries. (laughs) Yeah, New Abu Dhabi. New Fast Abu Dhabi. You live, isn't it? <laughs> Fast Qatar. Old we believe Saudi and New Abu Dhabi. The thing is, McLaren are going to have to get podiums, though, aren't they? Re- yes. Realistic to, to to haul it in, and I think Ferrari are going to have to drop back a bit, which I don't see happening. I think Ferrari. Are, I mean, Alpha Tower is too far behind in terms of pace. And I don't Alpine they're not going to challenge. I think Ferrari, even if they get no. seventh eight, <laughs> that, that's going to be fine seventh and eighth. So you know. yeah. yeah. Fun little fight between Alpine and Alpha Tari, still yeah. on equal points. Yes. Um, as well, which is if we're Ooh. going to talk constructors. Um yeah. we've got a nice little fight, 10 points in it for first place, um, 30 points in it for third place, no points in it for fifth place, and of course the others exist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Alpine and Gasly. Uh, Gasly went on a two-stop, and Alpine with both drivers went on a one-stop. That's why Gasly was overtaking them. Yeah, the and it was tight. Out. It was tight. It was, yeah. I think Alonso was trying to tow walk on a round in his DRS to keep Gasly behind him. So that was a good little fight. Um, and then any other... It nearly did, yeah. There was that incident <laughs> with... Uh, was it? Sonoda, Sonoda and, Stroll. and Stroll. Yeah. yeah. Sonoda, was he too aggressive or... I thought he was entitled to some room, you know. He made yeah. the corner, which was the yeah, bit that stood out to me. He made the corner, and he would have got that corner on that line. And But it is just a big old lunge. And really, he could have got that move done easily into, into turn four. And that's the thing. And I, 
I don't know. I, I, there wasn't a 10 second penalty. If you're in control of your car and you're not locking up and you're making the apex, I don't see what else is. I don't see what's wrong with that personally. I think you're entitled to some space. Well, I think the car he was overtaking was so far ahead of him that it becomes Banzai. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I kind of think, it, what, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It yeah. wasn't, if you get the move done, you get the move done, but it was a Banzai move and he did go into the side of a car and significantly damaged that car. So mm. I think, I, don't, it, I just feel because like Ricardo's done it, or well, maybe not recently, but a few years ago, Ricardo used to do it a lot and they were, everyone loved it. So I thought it was a kind of similar move, it was a stroll, didn't really give much room, but that's yeah. just my take. Yeah, I think I mean, it's Ricardo true. completed the moves and he would go for ones where I think it was it's the thing with turn one in, in the center S. It, it invites that kind of move, but it also yeah. you've, it's not one you can bail out of to let a car overtake you in a way. Mm. Um you've got to kind of be on a decent line into turn one and you turn in very early. So Stroll would have been committed to a line very early for that anyway. So and probably definitely before you'd realise Sonoda's going to clobber his left side pod. So, hmm. I think it's six of one, half a dozen, half a dozen of the other. I think it's the closest thing to a racing incident that race had, so. Yeah, I think, I guess it's... I missed a racing incident, though, anyway, so. <laughs> Follow-up to Mr Brightside. I think, like, it, 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 these, types, these kind of incidents just kind of, I guess, feed into like narratives around drivers. I think like you say, it's, you know, it could go either way. Ricardo does it and pulls it off. It's amazing. And kind of, especially pre his McLaren years, it kind of fit or yeah, it fits into kind yeah. of his narrative of like amazing late breaking overtakes. This is, you know, swashbuckling um, driver with Sonoda. It's just kind of, you know, it's, it's another incident in a year of incidents that's just not quite clicked for him. And I think that's mm. kind of, that drives a lot of the way people view it that, you know, he kind of he went in a bit too deep. The, not all of the blame is on him, but it's kind of when you add it into all the other incidents he's had, it's just not a great yeah. look. But it was very significant for the race and the championship because it brought out the safety car, which closed the pack back up. Who knows what was? I mean, Hamilton could have caught up in about three laps anyway, but we'll never <laughs> know. One sentence on the safety car, I just want to say: Why did it take three laps to come out? There's a whole yeah. front wing where a car, if it just had a little bit of an, where where there was. On the race before, in the sprint, a car did go into that bit, Raikkonen, very easily. So, yeah, I uh, thought be that. quicker. I, yeah, I, I had a rant about this after Baku. Uh, but, um, too busy. Had, yeah. Yeah, too busy trying to find Verstappen's onboard footage. No, I think <laughs> it's me. Uh, any other drivers or instances you want to talk about before we do five minutes on Qatar? I, so, I would like uh, to speak about Latifi legitimately out-qualifying oh, Russia. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I enjoyed it, I was very, I was very impressed with him. Um, obviously, the the Williams has sort of become a bit of a dog in the past few weeks, um, which might be, you know, better to Latifi's style of driving. I doubt yeah, it. I, I think it is. I think it suited his style more. Like weirdly, he's it's bringing him closer to Russell because the car isn't as uh, on rails. Weirdly, which is good for Latifi. I mean, maybe that's the case. I mean, also. Maybe they're just building a car that's more suitable to the driver that they're keeping um, yeah. or, or learning the setup for that situation. I wouldn't be surprised if there's, if there's you know, 70, 
70% of the setup briefings are focused on Latifi and 30% on Russell, um, just in terms of uh, conversion. Um, so there's that. There's someone to speak about. Uh, Adam, do you have anyone you want to speak about before I go um, on to my next ones? <laughs> uh, no, I guess Norris had a puncture on the first lap and then made it. Yeah, that was his fault. Back up to the point. Yeah, back up to the point, which I think deserves a shout out, but nothing more. He didn't make his way all the way up to fifth, despite having three times the laps that Hamilton had to do that. So, you know, so it's the golfing class there, but, which is actually a good pun because golf is one McLaren. Um, but I feel like it deserves a shout out. So he, he would have been running in third if you didn't move over too early, though. So that's a big missed opportunity. Mm, he would have been squeezed out by Perez, I Ooh. think. I uh, think he would have been fighting for it, though. You're right. Raikkonen failed to qualify in the top 10 for the first time yeah. in his career. That's my only other. I thought he had Although, a good drive on Sunday, though. If he, started, if he didn't have his collision with Givinati, I think he would have finished in the points. On yeah. Yeah, he had yeah he would have done. Yeah, he made he's, it like eight. miles quicker than Givinati in the race. Yeah, he, he was. He was. He was in very good form this weekend as Kimi. Actually, this alpha is coming into its own a bit at the late end of the season. It's, it's um, a bad... I mean, they need it's a good car and with in bad hands is kind of been my points? kind of opinion the whole year. I don't think they points. can get twelve points, get which is a shame. Williams, um, it was a bad weekend for drivers to have good recovery drives that weren't Lewis Hamilton because <laughs> they all kind of get swamped. It's like, oh well, he didn't didn't do what Lewis did, so yeah. But um, yeah, I thought Vettel had good pace. Uh, yeah, Vettel... yeah he had a slow stop, which yeah, uh, he, which he, is he, why he fell out the points. It was a shame yeah. that he didn't get the points. And I think also Norris's offset and Alonso's offset strategy um, also didn't help him out. Um, but I thought he had very, very good pace all weekends and he was running sick legitimately in both races at various points. So yeah. um, fair play to him. Good to see. Good to see. And remarkably, there's another race in just a few days to find oh a goodness me. <laughs> it's, it's just relentless, this F1 stuff, just like Hamilton on. At the weekend, uh, what do we expect this weekend? Hamilton Mercedes surely have to be favourites, but when there are favourites, as Freddie, you probably want to talk about, uh, the favourites don't win or they do win, but then it's a bit tougher and stuff like that. So, what are you predicting or expecting this weekend? Oh, predicting a ball fest, I'm honest. <laughs> um, I have no idea what to expect apart from that this bike track is um, hopefully going to be annoying for the drivers because of all the gravel. Um, if we can get a few gravel and a few safety car moments because of the gravel, um, then you can get some very fun slipstream down, uh, safety car restarts down that track. Um, like in a way that, Like Portimao, exactly. Um, with, a, with a very early start-finish line on a very long straight. I haven't looked up how long the straight is, but I think it's it's a rival to many of the other long straights in this championship. In the long straight championship of the world, <laughs> this one is up there. Um, the back of it probably is quite sweepy and a bit all right if you're on a motorbike, so maybe it'll be okay in a car. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> well, I reckon Bottas is going to win. Well, well I was going to say, there's, there's <laughs> unlikely to be any grid penalties this weekend yeah. so it should be a pretty clear cut fight no sprint format back to the normal format it's the best track to do a sprint format on. do it on a track they've not been to 
one practice as well. Yeah. Exactly. Even better. I think they should do a sprint at Miami mm. next year. The only thing is, overtaking does look difficult at this track with the high speed. Yeah, stuff. that is the thing. Um, Doesn't high speed make cars follow easier? Depends if it's like flat. If it's flat out, then yeah, but it's not. Then. If, if you stick... It's not multiple lines anyway. Or, if you stick one of Hamilton or Verstappen at the back of the grid, then overtaking will be easier. So there's your formula for success, everyone. Who you knows? Maybe Verstappen will lick Mercedes rear wing or something and get given a half of penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Nico Hulkenberg's won there before. That's a Sergio Perez. Yes. Wow. So there's pedigree. GP2 Asia. GP2 Asia. What a championship. The David A. Rigon, who I hadn't heard of about 20 seconds ago. Oh, ah, David A. Rigon. Yes. GT so. driver now. Mm. One, uh, so one yeah. minute, 38 seconds, point seven. So, yeah. Any I of the drivers can beat that. Did, did Nico Hulkenberg get a 136? And like outright, not I don't know. According to Wikipedia, no, but that could be. Yeah, I'm wrong. wrong. I'm thinking of something else. Great, Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think the things to look out for is who's quick straight away. Because if you're quick straight away, then you can just start thinking about settle, optimizing stuff. So I think that will be more important than normal. But uh, and it's at night, isn't it? So really, the se- only the second practice session be more uh what they call it representative mm. so i think that's another factor but yeah mm. i think mercedes have to be favorites but yes they do they yeah. do particularly with the straight line speed this race there could be an instant turn one because of the long straight for example i mean on it, honestly that's what i'm looking uh not forward to looking out for most is when if well if and when mercedes and red bull or the saffron and Hamilton go wheel to wheel that's where I think the most drama will occur. So, yeah, maybe. Is there anyone else you think it will particularly suit? Well, you mentioned it might suit McLaren more, but is there anyone else you think, yeah, they could be? I think it's impossible to say for a new track. I think it's yeah. pretty much impossible to say. So, well, uh, I think Williams are going to be fast. So, there we go. <laughs> okay. Well, nice. they have quite a draggy car. Woo! Go Williams. Yes. Yeah. Oh, one sec. Before we round out, um, the qualifying lap record was achieved by Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> with 1 minute 35.7. Rounded up to 136. I knew I'd seen that somewhere. Oh, so the race... Oh, the race, race lap, lap record, record is, is David yeah, Regan. So there we go. So I'm predicting a lap time in a modern Formula One car. This will be a fun game. Um, of a 114. Okay, 114, 118. Adam, what do you think? Don't split the difference and say 116. Uh, That's the correct thing to do, though. But No, the uh, correct thing to just go is be the lowest or highest, really. Actually, it's probably online somewhere. Yeah, but I'm not going to look. Um, I will go 115. Nice. Well, there we go. Nice. Let's find out who's right come qualifying on Saturday. Uh, yes. What a weekend, guys. Uh, thank you for joining me for the podcast, even though we planned to do it. So I don't know why I'm saying thank you, but I've just said thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. welcome. It was a pleasure, <laughs> uh, as always. It was absolutely my pleasure to do this podcast with you. <laughs> thank I hope you. the check's in the post. <laughs> I'll, I'll toss it up. Uh, 
thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, why is Adam giving me that face? I don't know. I'm going to say bye. Say bye. 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 We'll see you next week.